Friends, we have an update from a listener that Shang Wang and I gave some advice to a few weeks ago. Kara in New England wrote to us wondering what to do about a disappointing request from her boyfriend. Here's the backstory. Kara was running her first marathon in Virginia, and her boyfriend asked if he could skip out on cheering her on to the finish line so he could see his favorite West Coast comedian do a rare performance in New York City. Kara wrote back to say, Hello again. Thank you for answering my question regarding whether my boyfriend should support me at my first marathon or see his favorite comedian. As it turns out, before I even had the chance to talk to him about it, he told me to forget that he asked and happily came with me to the race. I crossed the finish line and he was right there waiting for me. But he missed out on your pal Conan O'Brien. Does that change your answer? Kara, as much as I love Conan, and I do, I love Conan so much, my answer does remain the same. Your boyfriend did the right thing by prioritizing your big milestone ahead of live comedy. And I also know that even if it's a rare appearance, something will pop up. Comedians and performers are always taking gigs. Trust me. I mean, I won't even go into the details of the weird gig that I have coming up in a couple of weeks where I didn't think I would be. So listeners who have received advice on this show, write me back. Let me know how it's going out there. I may even read your follow-up in a future episode. All right, on with the show. We also have something that really prevents us from a real casual social hang, which is Children. I was going to say cats. Uh, okay. <laughs> we are not alone and nobody is hopeless. Everybody goes to shit. We are friends and ticks. Yeah. 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 This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro. Often wondering, how did this get asked? <laughs> Today's guest is an actor, comedian, producer, director, and podcaster. He is known and loved for his performances as Keith in Showtime's Black Monday and Andre in The League. You've also seen him on Veep, The Good Place, and many more. He co-hosts the movie podcast Unspooled and How Did This Get Made? Paul Shear, thank you for joining me. Tig, I'm so excited to be here. And, you know, I remember when you came on How Did This Get Made? And I think you have one of my favorite appearances on that show. Mm, that can't be true. It definitely is true because you are the only guest who has <laughs> fallen asleep during the movie that we were going to talk about. And then you came on stage and you did a pretty good job talking about the movie that you did not watch. And I will say, in fairness to you, you mm. were organizing a gigantic festival. and It was one of the most fun events because... We actually screened the movie. The only time we've ever screened the movie before we've done the podcast. And mm -hmm. I was just impressed that you were able to have tons of jokes without really <laughs> seeing more than it seemed like 10, 15 minutes of the film. Well, I appreciate your kind words. And I will have you know, I did get some hate mail from your listeners. Oh, they hate women. Okay. <laughs> Whenever we well, have a female guest on, it, there's a lot of negative feedback uh, in general. That seems to be a takeaway. Well, look, I'm mainly impressed that they recognized my gender. 
Okay. So <laughs> that's the big takeaway. Um, but I had a great time, but I was embarrassed that I was not you know, I didn't feel like the best guest, but I appreciate your kind words. There are two guests mm-hmm. that come to mind that mm-hmm. were not good guests. And you are not even in that top five because Ooh. you are somebody who I truly think is just naturally funny, but also can make something out of nothing. One of my favorite <laughs> memories of performing with you is when we would drag you out to come do Crash Test, which was an 11 o'clock show here in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And so we had a certain audience there. They did not have anywhere to go in the morning. (laughs) And the show had that vibe. Like, if you're out at 11 p.m., like, all bets are off. It doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be polished. It can be loose. And just remembering you sitting in a seat next to an audience member, just chatting, and Mm. there would be these great fun bits. I think we even did a chat roulette with you at one point or did something like that when chat roulette was a thing where you could basically just pull up a random image of somebody and most of those people were just (laughs) naked sounds like something that Uh, will draw me anywhere you know (laughs) but you always i think can make something out of nothing and i hope that i give you a little more than nothing today i feel like you do the same kind of work and i have to say that you know you and i have known each other for a long time And I consider you a friend, but I don't see you very often. Same with your wife, June Diane Raphael, also an incredible comedian and actor. I don't see you very much, but then we did this pickled CBS tournament. Yes. You and I had a little um, breakaway and just chatting about life and marriage. And in that moment, I was thinking, love this guy. I feel the same. I had that. I felt we really got to a deep little moment there. (laughs) Yeah. And I was feeling like I would love to take this elsewhere and chat and have coffee or food. Yeah. We need to have a double date. Well, just so you know, I consider you a friend. June considers you a friend. I love hanging out with you. And uh, I would love to do that. It would be really fun. Now, Paul. Yes. We must discuss the fact that We're both in the Star Trek universe. Do you realize this? I do realize this. And I'm such a fan. Like, I love Star Trek. I'm a big nerd for it. So when I saw you on it, I was pumped. I was (laughs) When you saw Tig in space? Yeah, I need to see Tig in space. (laughs) I just did my first convention. I did stand up there. How was that? It was really fun and felt nothing like... Any other stand-up show I've done? Do you do any Star Trek material? No. And I don't ever shift anything for any show I'm doing. Okay. I just come in and I go, oh, this is what I found funny. Thank you and good night. I think that your humor is incredibly universal. It's cerebral. It's silly. It's fun. I feel like it would work in that room. Did it not work? Things worked. The vibe was just different. You know, I was in a convention center. I wasn't in a theater. The sound was a little weird. You know what I mean? Right. It's not the perfect. It's a big ceiling. Yeah, yeah. spaceships behind me. And, you know, it's just, (laughs) it's just, of course, that's what stand up at a Star Trek convention is. I will say that I once saw two Star Trek people do Love Letters live, which is like a play where basically each actor sits on one side of the stage and they just perform love letters to each other. It's like a long distance relationship. And that was a really interesting thing as well to do like a kind of off-Broadway show in this setting where people are also like buying like DVDs (laughs) in the far (laughs) background. It feels like if you make any appearance on Star Trek, 
you can run with it for a while in any direction that you would like to. Yeah. (laughs) Now, Paul, you've been married to June for, I mean. Yes. Just celebrated our 13th uh, wedding anniversary. Wow. We have been together since 2005. So we are coming up on uh, almost two decades together. That is wild. And you're also collaborators, which Stephanie and I are as well. How do you manage that? Because I, I look to you and I think it works really well when I see the two of you working together. Are there rules that you need to set forth as creative people aside from your, you know, your personal relationship? Like, how do you do you talk about it at all? Yeah, we talk about it, but we don't have so far any issues. We love working together and we feel like we make each other better and elevate each other. Right. There have been times where I've gone into projects, trying things out only to find this isn't for me, but I'm glad I tried it. Yeah. People are always like, oh my gosh, you directed a movie with your wife. How was that? And I'm like, really great. (laughs) Like we love working together, but I just like working alone or with anyone else. I just stumble into moments where I'm like, I actually don't want to do this anymore. I want to do something else. But whenever I have the opportunity to work with her, that is my ideal situation. Yeah. No, I love that. I mean, I love working with June and it's so fun to collaborate with her because I think she brings out so many great things in me and I hope I bring out good things in her. But the the thing I get scared of is I never want it to affect anything in our personal life. Like I don't want to bring home a work issue. So far it hasn't, mm-hmm. but I've been in a relationship where it mm-hmm. had. And that really like makes me gun shy. Maybe I'm mature now and I can handle it a little bit better. But I do agree with you, like having her eyes on something, seeing her take mm-hmm. on this makes me better and makes the project more fun. It's fun to collaborate. Yeah. That's how we feel. I think that the world that we are in often rewards people or or expects everyone to do everything by themselves. And it just feels like that's the least fun that I can possibly have. I love collaboration and I really love it with Stephanie. What I can say is there have been times where we've had stuff in our personal life that's made a day at work difficult. Right. Because we still have this thing going on. Of course. And that's natural. I mean, I will say this. I love this partnership creatively and personally for the two of you, because I think that you're both incredibly funny and I think you know what you want and I think you know what you like. And I've worked with so many different people who are a little bit more wishy-washy with that. And I think that that maybe is the key to it too. Like you are clear on what you want and who you are and yeah. I appreciate your kind words and it would be a, a fun day if you were in something that we were doing. Maybe the uh, four of us would, uh, working together. I would love it. I would love it. Any advice for people that work with their spouses? I think the thing that I'm trying to do more is I don't want to be upset if I've hurt your feelings. And and I say that in June's way. Like, So if June says, I'm upset, you hurt my feelings. I want to acknowledge that. I want to apologize for that. And I want to make it better. I think a lot of the times I've been defensive mm-hmm. When someone's like, oh, you hurt my feelings. Like, well, how could you be hurt? I, I didn't mean it like that. I meant it like this. I try to explain away the hurt and I try to justify why you shouldn't be hurt. And I think right now I'm trying to lose that defensiveness yeah. and just be like, let's talk about it. And and part of this is all about the honesty of it too. Like I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling uncomfortable here. 
and really hearing the other person. I, so losing that defensiveness, I think, has been big for me. We just had a call today on something that we're working on. And June's like, I felt like you didn't make enough room for me in that call. And I just, I want to acknowledge that that is a true yeah. feeling. I didn't intend it to be that, but that's what it is. And I want to now move forward and acknowledge that and do better for myself, but also not be defensive about getting a note, you know, or a critique. Yeah, it's funny hearing you talk about that. It brings me back to our pickled day where I'm like, yeah. I would love to hear more about this. I would love to talk more about it. And girlfriend, we've got to get a drink and chat. Okay. Yes, I'm okay. down. I am ready That's for it. <laughs> great. Well, um, now, are you ready to give advice to the listeners? I can't wait. I've pride myself on having okay advice. No, oh, well, that's really like, good. That's yeah. better All than right. what I have. Uh, <laughs> well, you're a parent, and our first question is about parenting. So okay. I expect you to be an expert, Paul. I cannot wait. Christina writes, Dearest Tig, my daughter is about to turn seven in a month. Although I put her to sleep in her bed, in the middle of the night, she climbs into bed with me. I tell her that she is a big girl and she needs to sleep in her own bed. How can I get her to stay in her own bed? Yours truly, Christina. Did you run into any of this? <sighs> Did I run into it? Uh, this morning, <laughs> I was dealing with this. Like, this is something that never goes away, uh -huh. in my opinion. And I think, look, <laughs> my ultimate end result on this is there's going to come a moment where they never want to get in your bed again. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Maybe just embrace it. My son, my youngest son, often sneaks into my bed. I think when they wake up in the middle of the night, they don't know what yeah. to do. They don't know how to like self-soothe to go back to bed. It's something you can teach. It's just sort of like, I wake up in the middle of the night, but I'm like, okay, I'll go back to bed. I think they wake up like, um, hmm. Yeah. I'll go in there. Yeah, room? yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We don't have an answer to this at our house. And it feels like our sons go through phases where right. one will come in and then none will come in and then both right. will come in. And then we have mm -hmm. three cats on the bed too. And Stephanie and I did just kind of reach a point of feeling like what you said is they're eventually going to stop coming in there. If right. they don't, then that is obviously a much bigger issue if you have a grown-up right, yes. still living at home, sleeping <laughs> with you. And not to take it to a really dark, sad place, but this really stuck with me because it's very new in my life. Some friends of ours lost their little boy. Oh, wow. He was eight or nine. Oh, my God. And one of the things that his mother said was let your kid sleep with you. She'd give anything in the world. That's killing me right now. And I think I am a person who looks at life often like that. I, I really try in the moment to be like, this is making me happy. The last night I had my two kids in my arms and June was there too. We were all kind of snuggled up on the couch. And in these moments, I just try to like look and snapshot it and try to snapshot a feeling of it and just being like, this is all I mm -hmm. need. This is what makes me happy. Yes. And I love this. And I want to acknowledge them because I do get these fears of, you know, there's obviously what you just spoke about, which is I can't even fathom. Right. And I've had friends who've had a similar situation. But I also just want to be like, these are the moments. These are the moments that we are looking for. Like, there's nothing more than these moments. Like, this is it. Yeah, I think people can get caught up in 
this is where they should be at this age. This is what is mm -hmm. right. This is what is wrong. This is what if this, what if that. It, it's like, uh, you know, yes, there is something to keeping kids in step with where they should be developmentally. And then there's other moments where other things where you just go, ah, I'm going to let this slide. Yeah, I think you're totally right. You can get caught up in these like mile markers and what the book of said. being a parent. Yes. The one piece of advice that I give to a lot of new parents is don't take anyone's advice unless it works for mm -hmm. you. Because there's so many people out there to say, this is the right way to do this. this, is the wrong way to do that. They must do this. They must do that. And it's like, take what works and discard the rest and don't feel guilty about it because every kid is completely different. Our kids are completely different. I love them to pieces. And I read this book. It's called Us. It's under the goop label. The prologue is written by Bruce Springsteen. Mm. Like, I wish I could have an audiobook of Bruce talking about relationships. Well, I mean, he's the boss. He yeah. is the boss. He's the Who boss. Who is the boss? Bruce. So, but he talked about this idea that he never was a person to get up with his mm -hmm. kids. And he'd always sleep in because he was doing shows and, and he missed all this time. And his wife said to him at one point, like, you should get up one morning with the kids and just see what it's like. And he realized, oh, my God, like, I get to connect with them. I get to talk with them. We get to have fun. And I get up with the kids every morning. That's like my role. And I hate it. I hate getting up at 630 yeah. in the morning. I hate it. And I'll dread it. And I'm tired at 10. And I hate being someone who's exhausted by 10 o'clock. But I love it because I'm actually getting this time with them. And Bruce Springsteen talks about this idea of like, I now get up with them, get them out the door, and then I go back yeah. to bed. But I never want to miss this time. And I think that like, sometimes we're so obsessed with like, marking off time, whether it's like, okay, it's we're gonna go to summer vacation. Okay, this is over. This is over that we just those are the moments, the dumbest mm -hmm. moments, or the lamest <laughs> moments are the yeah. best. Like it truly yeah. is. It's like there doesn't need to be anything. And I said to June, like, when I talk about our future in our life, I'm like, all I see, like the goal for me is to see just us being happy wherever yeah. we are. That's the ultimate only Absolutely. goal. Absolutely. Yes. 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 And Christina, good luck and good night to you and your daughter. And as Paul said, if it gets too bad, you can do what June and I do. If they're kicking us, hitting us, we just go into their bed. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I, I'm not above it. I'm not above going, like, oh, all right, well, I'm just going to move over there. It's just That's as comfortable. Hilarious. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to tell Stephanie that. All right, <laughs> it's Paul, great. let's take a short break. And then when we return, I have more questions. Yes. And we're back. Paul, this next one is from Emily. Emily in Milwaukee, Wisconsin writes, Dear Tig, a couple of months ago, my boyfriend of eight years and I split up. It's for good, and I'm good with that. I mean, even his mom quit all our in-progress words with friends games. 
Yikes. Wow. We didn't live together, so it's been (laughs) uncomplicated, mutual, and amicable. We shared only a phone plan, which he paid for, but we have since divided, and some streaming services, which I pay for. I don't hate his guts or anything, and it doesn't cost me more to leave his profiles active on the apps, but it just feels strange having him on there. Is it cool to change my streaming passwords? And if so, how long should I wait? Do I give notice? Um, Emily, wow, this. <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like you can do this whenever and as soon as you'd like. I feel like it's completely reasonable. And, um, and I would say it would be nice to give notice because if you don't, it'll seem like you're making an angry point or that there's more to it. Mm -hmm. Paul, do you have any thoughts or feelings? No, I mean, this is such a funny division. Like most people are like, who gets the dog? It's like, who gets the Netflix account? I, I, I think that as someone who has given people a Netflix account in the past, and right now we have a member of our family who has our HBO Max account. So I get to see what they're watching. I'm always surprised that, oh, wow, you're, you're really burning through hung. (laughs) Um, I'm like, okay, sure. Uh, I do think what you said is spot on. You don't want to make it seem like you're spiking the ball and you're like, and you don't get Mm -hmm. this. You know, I think it could just be like, it's tricky because if it doesn't bother you, what do you care? You could rename the profile. Well, I feel like some people are just like, I'm ready to have a clean break. I just don't want any attachment to this person, not because I dislike them, but I am just ready to move on. And so I understand that. But I just always feel like the best answer would be to quietly walk away and do it, like you said, and giving them a heads up and being done. Can I... Can I suggest a lying part of this? And maybe this is the wrong thing for me to say. Like, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to cancel Netflix. No, Just say like, no, I'm going to cancel. No. No. There's no, no need. Okay. There is no need <laughs> to lie. It's the okay. easiest thing to say, hey, I'm just, I'm ready to fully have this separation. And, you know, there's no hard feelings. There's no reason for us to continue sharing an account. There's just absolutely no reason. You're right. I mean, you are right. I know I'm right. Yeah. You know what? I think you're good. I I go, I'm 100% on what Tig is saying. And I really do believe that it might be an uncomfortable email or text to send, but you will look better for it because it won't seem like you're doing it out of spite. And I think that that's, that's the hard thing for me to like wrestle with. It's like, it is uncomfortable, but it will look better and it will be actually representative of how you actually feel rather than having this person guess or feel as if you are trying to slight them. And and that's a respectful thing to do. Yeah. And you know what? Everyone will live through an awkward text or email. Yeah. So I'm on my side. Emily, you, <laughs> <laughs> you know it's serious when the words with friends games end. So best of luck. We're going to take a break to answer a question that came in our therapy etiquette inbox. This segment is where we answer those awkward questions we all have as people getting the professional help we need and deserve and is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. This question was sent in from Nancy. Hi, Tig. I have a question for your therapy etiquette segment. I've been seeing my therapist pretty regularly for the last four or five years. She's funny and kind, and I really value our relationship. 
A couple of months ago, I think I made a mistake when I asked her whether she had experience in poly relationships, which I'm exploring myself. She let me know she was weighing telling me or not, and eventually did share a vague yes on the subject. It quickly felt like an overstep on my part, and I didn't ask for further details. I now worry that she regrets sharing this with me. I also worry that my worry about it will corrode our relationship. Is the only way to resolve my discomfort to ask her directly? Nancy, everything you've told us here is worth telling your therapist to. It's clear you value your relationship with your therapist, and now you're worried you may have overstepped. Why not just have a conversation about it? Exploring how you relate to your therapist can be a great way to explore how your own mind works. If you want to ease into the conversation, you could ask for a general check-in about your relationship. You could start with how much you value your therapist and then maybe segue to the stuff that's on your mind. It's very possible that she doesn't feel weird about it at all. I'm not an expert on poly relationships, but in any relationship, the ritual of checking in is important. So that goes for an intimate partner and it goes for a therapist too. So why not practice checking in with your therapist? At minimum, it'll be helpful practice for your life outside therapy. And lastly, I haven't read anything in your letter to suggest that your therapist is actually uncomfortable. She never said that she felt uncomfortable. She molded over and volunteered to disclose this little detail of her personal life. So why not ask for reassurance instead of letting this worry eat away at you? I hope that's been helpful or at least somewhat reassuring. We want to hear from you. Send us your therapy etiquette related questions at don'tasktig.org. Thanks to our sponsor, BetterHelp. Now let's get back to the show and my conversation with Paul Shear. Paul, you have two podcasts yes. about good movies and terrible movies. Yes, I do. I talk with New York Times film critic Amy Nicholson on a show called Unspooled about mm -hmm. great movies, movies that are considered classics. Are they actually good? And it started off where we were looking at the AFI list of the top 100 mm -hmm. films, which is a list that has one, a person of mm -hmm. color as a director and zero women on the list as a director and a list that is primarily and predominantly full of like Western and Vietnam films, or there's a mm -hmm. lot of them versus others. So we started off with this idea of like, are these movies the hundred best movies? And, and it's now grown into a larger conversation where we'll talk about everything from like Austin Powers to, you know, bridge over the river Kwai. Like we will go all mm -hmm. around and Amy's so incredibly smart and I love chatting with her. It's like a book club for, good movie watching. And then how did this get made? Of course, with June Diane Raphael and Jason Manzukis. We just, we watch bad movies and it's a blast and it's so much fun. With all of your, your knowledge about movies, I'm hoping yeah. you can help this next listener. Okay. Julian Wisconsin writes, Hi Tig, my wife and I watch movies together on Friday and Saturday nights as a way to connect during our busy lives. We have a one-year-old son who takes up most of our time and we don't get a lot of alone time. We tend to check out movies for free from the public library, so our selection is somewhat limited. 
We're running into issues with whether or not to watch movies we've already seen and enjoyed or try new ones, which runs the risk of not liking them. If we watch a movie we both hate, I feel like it's a waste of an evening alone. What do you suggest we go for, old favorites or new? Any movie suggestions are appreciated. Paul, I hear you and feel you. Tig, I am jumping (laughs) on this one because I'm so excited about this. One of the things that we talk about a lot on these podcasts, and people don't know about it, is public libraries have digital media streaming services Mm -hmm. now. You can get everything for free, but it's like having access to Netflix or Paramount+. Plus. You don't have to be stuck with the actual selection in the library. You can get it on your tablets, iPhones, everywhere, like Hoopla and Canopy, but Hoopla... Really, you can stream audiobooks and music and everything. I just want to open up their world to the fact that most public libraries in their state, if not their town, have access to a giant selection that they may not even be aware of. Well, this is amazing information and not at all what I thought you were waving your arms around to. Oh, no, I was so excited to plug libraries. (laughs) I was more so thinking, why would it mean the evening is wasted if you don't like a movie? Oh, yeah, I should have jumped on that. I thought for sure you were going to jump on that because to me, that creates equally as much, if not more, conversation between the two of you. My first date with June was a terrible film and it was unintentionally terrible. I wanted to go see that Hilary Swank movie where she was the boxer. Mm -hmm. Uh, I forget the name of it with Clint Eastwood directed it. Boys Don't Uh, Cry. And Boys Don't Cry. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) Million Dollar Baby. I wanted to see Million Dollar Baby. And June was like, I want to see this other movie with John Travolta called A Love Song for Bobby Mm -hmm. Long. And I said, okay, let's go to the Love Song for Bobby Long. Love Song for Bobby Long is terrible. And we sat next to each other at the Angelica Theater in New York City. And it connected us in such a way. We had so much fun. I hate when people go like, let's have a movie Mm -hmm. date. Because you're not talking for two hours. Although some people talk through movies, so... Yes. Yeah, we weren't doing it in a way that was like annoying, but you know, we, no one was actually in that theater, I think as a matter of fact, too. But uh word but, got around about the film, just not to you guys, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, that's, you know, and that's fair. I agree with you. Like just have fun. Take out something weird. Like June and I enjoy watching a Hallmark movie or a Lifetime movie more than any <laughs> other film. And I will say that like we went nuts just watching a home renovation show like last Saturday. Yeah. It was the most joy-filled evening watching this husband and wife do renos. It was like, great. That's incredible. Yeah, I think more than anything, I just hope, Julie, that you and your spouse can find that the evening isn't a waste if you don't walk away saying, oh, this was the greatest movie we've ever seen. So I would take Paul's advice and check out this Digital, yeah, digital media, yeah, media services that these libraries have. Yeah, and also laugh at what a terrible movie you just watched. And I'll say to you, Tig, part of this is about them mm-hmm. connecting, right? I mean, find ways to, like, so you're not just sitting next to each other watching a movie. Like, that would be more fun. Like, we want you to, this is the time that you have. Mm-hmm. Like, enjoy that time. Exactly. Listen, Paul has not one but two movie podcasts and a wife of almost two decades. So, Listen to what this man is saying. (laughs) Paul, sadly, the show is winding down, but we have one more thing to do. Yes. Let's go back in time to hear some advice from yesteryear. When Jerry brags about taking Ginny out, 
He learns that she dates all the boys. So as we see now, menstruation is just one routine step in a normal and natural cycle. How do you choose a date? Well, one thing you can consider is look. I did everything you said, but my boss still hasn't asked me to lunch. Here we take a real question from an old advice column, and we try to give a better answer. This question comes from Beatrice Fairfax's Advice to the Lovelorn column in 1930. Mm. Tears writes... Dear Miss Fairfax, I was engaged to a young man and loved him devotedly. Then my girlfriend took him away from me. He asked to be released from his engagement, which I did immediately, and now they're going to be married. It is to be a large wedding with six bridesmaids and a matron of honor. They're asking me to be a bridesmaid, and we are to wear special dresses, each two wearing a different color. Everyone knows I'm in love with him still and that I got a raw deal, though I never said a word to anyone, even my own mother. I thought it would be amusing if I appeared at the wedding dressed entirely in black. What do you think of this? I'd laugh and act as if it were just a joke. (laughs) Wow. Any feelings on what tears should do? Well, I mean, definitely not go to the wedding, Mm -hmm. right? Definitely not subject themselves Mm -hmm. to it at at any level Mm -hmm. and definitely don't go there wearing black like wear black at home yeah wear black at home i can't quite tell if this person is still emotionally connected like the the tone seems like it was signing over papers like they wanted my boat i signed the papers over they now (laughs) own my boat like it doesn't seem like this is the love of my life it just seemed like i allowed him to break the engagement now he's going well it was a a different time it was 1930 and i feel like you know people are like well you know he wanted to be released and i released him from there and then i cried into my pillow after i took my bonnet off right you know or whatever was going on in 1930 i don't know so you're saying you don't feel like Tears was actually in love? Well, look, it seems very formal. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that Tears is a willing to come up with a bit of wearing all mm-hmm. black makes me feel like Tears is kind of over it, but would like to twist the needle or, you know, I think I would make a personal rule. Don't go to the wedding of anyone that you have dated. Even if you fully established a friendship again? I was going to put a caveat there. Yes, if you've fully established a friendship and you truly are okay, but that takes a lot of introspection. Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you think? Would you ever go to a wedding of somebody that you had feelings for that someone dumped you? I guess somebody who dumped you. Um, You would. First girlfriend got married. I went to that. Okay. If I remember correctly, I think I might have broken things off. Yeah, you definitely did because everything I remember of you is like that was your you were like the love him and leave him. Like you, 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 you. you cut the you How cut the cord. You? How dare you? I've had I've <laughs> listen, I've experienced heartbreak, no doubt. Of course you have. And then somebody else that I dated that was that was a big one. I mean, my first girlfriend was a big one okay. too. And then this other one was a big one. And I'm I'm friendly with them. And my the one that was a big one for me, she came to my wedding. And I don't know. I just feel like once you've established a friendship again, it's okay. But I I wouldn't wear a black dress. I wouldn't wear a dress. No. And I do think it's very specific. You have to do a lot of introspection. But I do feel like part of a wedding Mm -hmm. is kind of saying, I went through the muck Mm -hmm. and now I found this person. And now this is the (laughs) right move. So it's it's indirectly... 
a shot yeah. at you. It's, you know, it's indirectly saying <laughs> ah, you finally. clearly weren't the right person. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's like, oh, you were part of the journey that I needed to go past. But to find you can this also have that agreement that like, yeah, that didn't work out. And we're pals now. Right. I also have this other woman that I dated where we've become such good friends in recent years okay. that we do bring it up and kind of laugh at like, man, how mismatched were we? Now, does Stephanie get jealous about? No. That? Okay. No, not no. at all. No. I know I could not have that relationship. Not for my own sake, but if June ever saw me texting an ex, even if it was the most (laughs) innocuous, I could feel it. I've seen her respond to people that there's nothing there. There is literally, it's like no flirtation at all. And I'm like, I was like, so I don't know. I don't know. I would love to say that I'm close friends with some people that I've dated, but I really am not. Uh, And that's, you know, that's maybe me. Yeah. Well, do you want to hear what Beatrice Fairfax had to say? Yes, I would love to hear. My dear child, I cannot tell you earnestly. I beg you not to do anything as foolish or dramatic as the thing you suggest. People would remember it and tell it of you as long as you lived or longer. You would make yourself cheap and ridiculous and no girl can afford to do that. If you (laughs) still decide to act as a bridesmaid, Wear the dress they suggest and be the gayest of the gay. I'll wager you'll be glad sooner or later that things turned out the way they did. Isn't it funny how casually people used the word gay back then? Yeah. Because it meant something else. I know. Whereas now you would be saying that tongue in cheek to be the gayest of the gay, unless you were gay. Well, but I also, I mean, I don't want to say anything too bold, but... I like that word, like saying the gayest of the gay, like that's a beautifully visual Mm. word. I'm like, yes, like it just seems like (laughs) you're just spreading joy and love. It seems so gay, uh, gay. I mean, it's a it's a lovely word. Uh, I would love to have some more of that just used in a in a way that is, uh, you know, in celebration. Like, Well, do it, sir. No one's stopping you. I'm going to. I will. You're right. Yeah. I guess she took our advice. Well, she took my advice and your advice, which is I said, don't go in black. You said she should go. I guess my thought is as long as you are okay with it, if, if you're doing it to prove a point or if you're doing it to show that you're cool with it and you're not, don't do it. Well, you didn't even trip over, though, her statement of you would make yourself cheap and ridiculous and no girl can afford to do that. <laughs> Well, that, I mean, that I was chalking up to the 1930s. There's a lot you have to chalk up to the 1930s. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there I had to like, I had to kind of avert my eyes on that one. I mean, I don't understand why she would be cheap, but I do believe the sentiment is right. Yeah. If you came and tried to steal focus at a wedding, people would talk mm-hmm. about you for a long time. Look, we're still talking about her. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, that is all we have for you. All right. Well, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for stopping by. Do you have anything you'd like to promote other than the word gay? No, that just uh, we'll be getting a drink or, uh, yeah, I would like to promote the word gay. We'll be getting together for some sort of a private event that will not be telecast, no. you know, unless you're a Patreon subscriber. <laughs> uh, and uh, and I can't wait to, uh, to see you. Uh, you know, people will see us on the court. Yes, they will. Aside from CBS, it's streaming, right, on Paramount Plus? Paramount Plus. Now, if your boyfriend hasn't or girlfriend hasn't locked you out of your account, you can definitely watch it. Amazing. Not yeah. you. Yeah, I'm I don't saying have a in general. But, um, <laughs> well, Paul, it was truly such a delight, and it was so great to catch up with you at the Pickled you too. Game, yes. whatever that was. And I'm truly going to make sure we have something planned immediately. 
I would love that. is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willette and Shana Deloria. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Engineering and sound mixing by Alex Simpson. Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Our theme music is Friend in Tig by Edie Burkell and Kyle Crusham. And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Burkell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman. APM Studios executives in charge are Chandra Kavadi, Alex Schaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at Don't Ask Tig. Don't Ask Tig is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana, and I'll tell Becky. I'm stand-up comedian and sex symbol Tig Notaro. And I'm actor and writer Cheryl Hines. Before Cheryl and I got into the big business of podcasting together, (laughs) we were just simply friends. And we're still friends. But now we talk about a different documentary every week on our podcast, Tig and Cheryl, True Story. So whether you love documentaries or just want to hear us slowly lose our minds, check out Tig and Cheryl, True Story, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, cool.